0: Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Amos chapter 6. Amos chapter 6. Judgment against complacency. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, you who feel secure in Mount Samaria, you distinguished people of the leading nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Travel to Kalna and look, go from there to Hamath Rabbah, and go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than those kingdoms? Are those territories greater than your territory? You who are trying to put off the evil day, you bring near the session for for violence. Those who lie on ivory beds, sprawling upon their couches, eating lambs from the flock and calves straight from the stall, improvising tunes on the lyre, composing music for themselves on musical instruments like David, drinking large bowls of wine. They slather themselves with the most expensive perfumed oils, but they do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. That is why they will go into exile as the first of the exiles. Those who sprawl out at their feasts for the dead will depart. The Lord God swears by himself, declares the Lord, the God of armies. I detest the pride of Jacob, and I hate his citadels, so I will hand over the city and everything in it. If ten men happen to survive in one house, they will die. When a relative who burns the bodies comes to take away the bones from the house, he will say to whoever remains in the recesses of the house, Is there anyone else still with you? And they will say, No one. And he will say, Silence, for you must not invoke the name of the Lord. Look, the Lord is indeed giving you a command, and he will smash the largest house into fragments and the smallest house into splinters. Do horses run on a rocky cliff? Does anyone plow the sea with an ox? Yet you turn justice into poison, and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. You are rejoicing over Debar. You are saying, was it not by our strength that we captured Karnaim for ourselves? Indeed, I am about to raise up a nation against you, O house of Israel, declares the Lord, the God of armies. They will oppress you from Libohemath to the canyon of the Arabah. This is the word of our God. This chapter highlights for us the arrogance of the sinful human mind, the confidence of the sinful human mind, and especially... The fact that it is misplaced. God says that these people are so confident in what they attest and so confident in what they are doing. They don't think that anybody can touch them. They don't think that anybody can hurt them or harm them. And they think that they are getting away with it. That they have won and that they are safe and secure and there's nothing to worry about. And here in chapter 6, Amos addresses both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And as he names different geographical regions or different cities or towns, he goes from naming things all the way up in the northern boundary of the northern kingdom all the way down to the southern boundary of the southern kingdom. Even in verse 1, he says, "'Woe to you who are complacent in Zion!' Zion that word for Jerusalem which often has spiritual overtones to it especially here in the prophets um, so woe to those who are complacent among the the people of the southern kingdom and woe to those who feel secure on Mount Samaria the capital of the northern kingdom and as as he talks here he really highlights for us what it means to be driven along in in the blindness of sin, in the arrogance of sin, and that really shouldn't be a surprise to us. It's part of our everyday experience um, when we talk about and think about and see the world around us, and it's part of of the history of God's people. It's exactly what Paul says in Romans chapter one, that those who knew God and yet did not honor Him as God became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Up in verse one. The distinguished people of the leading nation, they feel safe and secure. They live under the sorry delusion that they are the great exception of God's justice, the great exception from God's justice. Verse 2, go to Kelna and look at it. Go from there to great Hamath and then go to, down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? In other words, you think you're safe and secure um, under the idea that God will not bring judgment on you, that your land is larger than Enough that you are strong enough and that you are not doing anything wrong, and God says, Well, just look around, even in at those that are within you know a day or two of walking distance from where you live right now. Um, look there, go there and tell me, are you stronger than those kingdoms? Because those were, those were well-organized. Those were pretty strong for themselves. Um, These, these distinguished people futilely think that they can ignore the day of God's judgment and they put it off and they don't have to worry about it. That's kind of verse three. You put off the evil day and bring near a reign of terror. And then as Augustine said, you know, that our hearts are ever restless until they find the rest in you. That basically in every human heart, there's a God-shaped hole and nothing else can fill it. And that's what Amos says here in verses, um, verses 4 through 6 or so. They, they try to fill that hole in their lives um, where God belongs. But they feel they've taken God out of their lives and they try to fill that hole with exquisite furniture and choice meats and choice music, choice wines in quantity, substantial quantity and um, and beautifully perfumed oils, stupidly and studiously ignoring the fact of that the body of which they are the members is sick to death. Looking at um, verses four through six, those who lie on ivory ivory beds, sprawling upon their couches, eating lambs from the flock and calves straight from the stall, improvising tunes on the lyre, composing music for themselves, drinking large bowls of wine, slathering themselves or the most expensive perfumed oils. But they do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. <laughs> and you can just see here this, this beautifully disgusting, distressing picture of of a prosperous nation that has lost its bearings completely. The the people are just obsessed and and totally taken with their own entertainment and with not a care in the world, not a care at all for what God had intended their nation to be, what God had intended his people to be. And what we keep in mind here, um, and I think the Thirsty Podcast talked about this once or twice also, is that God's Old Testament people were intended to be his church as well as his nation. You and I have those two things separate. We are members of the Church of Jesus Christ, um, that we are members of the Holy Christian Church, and the visible church of which we participate is the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod in whichever local congregation that happens to be, and we are citizens of the nation United States of America um, or Canada. Or wherever you happen to be listening from, but for you and me that's those two things are separate um, for God what he when he addresses here through Amos is those two things were intended to be one the nation and the church, and even though the nation is prosperous according to what they see, and even though the people have all the all the the pleasures that they could want, they are indulging in their food and and enjoying all the finer things of life, and yet They have forsaken the ruin of Joseph. In other words, they have turned their backs on the ruin of the church that God had wanted them to be as they walk away from that in their idolatry. They cannot and they will not see how they have perverted justice, and it says, "Senseless as attempting to climb cliffs with horses or plow the sea with oxen." Um, that's verse thirteen. Twelve and thirteen. You do horses run on a rocky cliff? Does anyone plow the sea with an ox? Yet you turn justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. And you know God is really highlighting here the the blindness. Of sin, that sin is blinding. Yes, and in the the words of another pastor friend, um, sin makes us stupid. <laughs> we do we do dumb things that that do not make any rational sense, especially we com- when compared with the wisdom and the power of our God. But that's what that's what happens here does anyone plow the sea with an ox well good luck with that and it's even more foolish to turn justice into poison the fruit of righteousness into wormwood to take the blessings that god has lavished on his chosen nation and use them for for distracting oneself from our obligation to god for distracting oneself from uh, proper thanksgiving to god (laughs) they they rejoice over their over their conquests as though they are the the lords of the world verse 13 you're rejoicing over lo Debar. you were saying was it not by our strength that we captured karnaim for ourselves and god's like go ahead go ahead try i'm going to raise up a nation against you um god is not going to be mocked God will not be mocked. He says that the notable men of this nation will be the first to go into exile. Their pride and their monuments, which they built to their own pride, will be brought low. I abhor the pride of Jacob, and I detest his fortresses. Um, He says here in verse 8, The time will come when the few survivors of the judgment will be even afraid to mention the name of the Lord, which they, you know, back in Joel, the book of Joel, um, could have... Could have called upon God's name for their salvation and for um for their saving. <laughs> in Joel chapter two, verse thirty-two. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But they are so terrified that the Lord would track them down and destroy them. That's that part right in the middle in verse verse nine and ten. One of relatives who burns the bodies comes to take away the bones from the house, and um and there's this this terror, silence. You must not invoke the name of the Lord. And so what do what do we learn from this? I think first of all we see the arrogance and the delusion of sin a little bit more clearly because every circumstance for life is an opportunity to either give thanks to God or an opportunity for the devil to tempt us and lead us astray whether it is a time of, of want and poverty and distress or a time of plenty and excess and wealth. Each time is an opportunity to give thanks to God. In a time of poverty and distress, we can give thanks to God that he still provides us with our daily bread, and that he has promised to never leave us or forsake us, and that he will indeed take us to heaven when our time here on earth is done. And in a time of wealth and excess, we can thank God for all the blessings that he has given to us, and we can take special care to make sure that we speak about God's grace to a world that has forgotten him, perhaps, or a world that is obsessed with their own daily pleasures rather than their Lord. But the temptation is there nonetheless. And personally, I think the temptations during a time of wealth and excess are more hazardous, more dangerous, because the delusions of the sinful mind will easily lead one astray far more quickly um, into, into simply forgetting so, I guess that's one of the first things that we see. Secondly, we see that God understands human nature and He knows how to bring it to humility. He knows how to carry out His judgment at His best time and in His best way. And so, what shall we learn from this? Um, as we go about our day, just take a moment to say, Thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to me. Teach me to continue to be grateful to you. For all that you have done for me teach me to keep my priorities straight that we may learn from history here in amos during a time of during a time of wealth that god's people had turned and walked away from their lord because they were so concerned about what they had versus who they worshipped but we worship the one true god who has promised to give us everything, who in time of wealth and excess or a time of poverty and distress, he has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have baptized you into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have been raised with Jesus to a new life. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. If you find any benefit from this or any other episode, feel free to hit that share button. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe. God bless your day.